This episode is presented by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Next up on the Renaissance Man podcast, we have NFL Hall of Famer, Terrell Owens. Coming up, I'll talk to T.O. about how he discovered who his biological father was, how he looks back on his time with the Eagles and other NFL teams, and who are his top five receivers in the history of the NFL. Up next, Terrell Owens. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, co-workers, your partner, anyone, and more importantly, share it with somebody that's texting you, that's emailing you, that you know could use some of this good old-fashioned soul food. This week's theme is whatever it takes. Football season is here. And it's amazing to talk to NFL athletes on this show because you realize how much they've given to the game, their minds, their bodies, their identities. They do whatever it takes to win it all. It reminds me that in our journeys, we should be doing whatever it takes to reach our goals. And in order to be an NFL Hall of Famer like Terrell Owens, you have to leave it all on the field, doing whatever it takes to break into the industry that you dreamed about, doing whatever it takes to achieve the education that you want, doing whatever it takes to be the actual best version of yourself. And let me be very clear, because I've had haters along the way, naysayers just like you, but this next point I'm gonna make is very important. That doesn't mean push other people down on your way to the top. It means put in the hours, read the books, find your mentors and someone who is the definition of whatever it takes is my next guest. Terrell Owens is one of the greatest wide receivers and football players of all time. He's a Hall of Famer, played 16 seasons in the NFL, a six-time Pro Bowler, a five-time All-Pro selection. And he's still in some of the best shape of his life because that's his discipline and focus. Coming up, I talked to T.O. about his thoughts on the upcoming NFL season how he looks back on his own career and what advice he would give his younger self. It is my honor to welcome the legendary Terrell T.O. Owens to the show. What up, family? What's up, dog? Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having me. And the most Absolutely. important thing I like about this is you pronounce, you got my name right. You got my name oh, right. 
No doubt. I got you. I got you. No question. And for those that's followed this show, we've done around 175 episodes. I've probably had maybe three to five athletes on. Today okay. is extremely special because this gentleman's story is so very unique. And when I learned a lot about his story, it was just mind blowing. Um, I know you grew up in Alabama. Tell me what your childhood was like there. Oh, man, uh, small town, Alexander City, Alabama. Um, at one point in time, uh, Russell Corporation, Russell Athletic, that's, that was the textile mill. That was the industry that was there that did a lot of manufacturing. When you talk about uh, uh, what everybody wears today, from hoodies, T-shirts, mm. uh, mesh jerseys, anything, any athletic apparel, Russell Athletic, was that was the thing. Everybody, they made everything across the board. Mm. T-shirts, everything. They made it for MLB back in the day, all the high school, college jerseys, uniforms, everything. Then obviously, times have changed. Manufacturing, you start, they start mass producing, you know, overseas. And that basically pretty much wiped Russell Corporation mm -hmm. out of the water. So I didn't really know that growing up until I got older, but pretty much maybe... I'm in a small town, relatively speaking, maybe right now we're at like maybe 14 knocking at the door, maybe 15,000 people in that town, relatively wow. small. Um, and, you know, back in the day, probably it was like 17,000. Then once, you know, Russell Corporation left, a lot of people, a lot of jobs left. Mm. I didn't understand what that all meant uh, until later on. Uh, but yeah, raised by my grandmama uh, and my mom. Um, again, I owe everything really to my mom and my grandmama. They they pretty much was they were my mom and my dad. Um, so my my grandmama raised me. Uh, she passed in 2012 to Alzheimer's. She succumbed to the disease. Um, I didn't know who my dad was until uh, preteen, sort anywhere from like 10 to 12. I knew I found out who my dad was. And the most shocking thing about it, people that know me, um, that's read my book, I found out who my dad was, and he lived right across the street. Uh, from me, basically walk in walking distance. So I saw the guy every day. Uh, the, the kids that I thought was just friends, girls in the neighborhood, they turned out to be my sister, uh, my sister. Um, so again, you know, not the not not the conventional way of growing up, wow. uh, the, an ideal way of growing up. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, it made me who I am today. Um, anybody that has followed my story. Um, if they watched own network, they followed in Yala Benzant's show, uh, mm -hmm. Fix My Life. I did a story on that uh, about my my dad and my mom, how 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 that dynamic came about. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, I didn't allow those things to deter who I was, who I became. And I was just, a, I mean, a normal kid growing up uh, in a neighborhood that loved sports. You know, I played pretty much everything. Growing up in the South, Jalen, you played with a number of athletes. Yep. One of how you grew up, um, you know, that's all we knew is sports. And so mm -hmm. for me, I was no different. I was just just a preteen, uh, become a teenager, wanted to play a lot of sports. I played baseball, basketball, ran track. Obviously, I played football. Uh, but I never knew that I was going to eventually become a Hall of Famer. That was never really on my radar. Um, right. I wanted to be a basketball player. I wanted to be, I wanted to be part, of the, part of the five, five, five. You know what I mean? Um, I I, no lie. I mean, everybody knew about the baggy shorts, the no black doubt. socks, the black shoes, which I couldn't afford. Uh, but, yo, those <laughs> are some of the things. Those, those are some of the things that wow. I remember 
up and uh, a lot of people don't know about me but uh I, again i owe a lot to my grandma and how i read how i was raised um she grew up in that segregation era um when you talk about some of the social issues social injustice issues that mm -hmm. we faced over the last three to five years she was talking about it and i heard her talking about it to her friends way back when when i was a younger when i was wow. young um so wow. all these things have come full circle and honestly it's not really shocking because I heard her talk about how we as black people were treated. You know, she mm. told me about going to uh, restaurants or having to go drink at a different water, water fountain where wow. it was labeled black, white. You know what I mean? So all these things and even some of the things that I, I experienced as an athlete early on in my career and my professional career during the San Francisco days, there are some systemic racism things uh, that I that I faced. I saw and I recognized, but I didn't make it an issue. Um, didn't really right. feel like I had the platform to really, you know, raise those issues and really think. Really didn't think it was going to really, you know, anybody's going to pay attention to it. But at the end of the day, man, all those things kind of just groomed me to who I am um, and, and and to where I've gotten. Wow! And like many kids of in America, especially that look like us, that grow up in a uh, uh, an environment of poverty when we don't have a father in the home, what kind of shadow that may or may not play. For me, my father was a former professional athlete, but I never knew him. And so his shadow to me was carrying around his basketball card and people telling me stories about him. But I resented it because I didn't know him and I felt like he was an NBA player and he neglected me. What was that shadow like for you, knowing that your father literally lived across the street? Um, honestly, Jalen, it um, I guess being a young kid, um, I really, I really didn't comprehend what I was missing because my grandmama and my mom, my mama, they made up for what I didn't have in a father figure. So it wasn't oh, like God. I felt and saw that I was missing something. And I, and again, I understood that, yeah, we all have mom and dad. That's how we got here. Yep. Um, I had my uncle or what have you. Um, but again, it just never it, it just never really occurred to me that I was being raised and I was growing up without a father in the household. Mm -hmm. Um, I never had, he never came to any of my, any of, any of my high school games or college games for, from wow. my re recollection. Wow. If anything, may, maybe one, if that, and that's a stretch. Um, and the same with my mama, my mama, she didn't really know that I was going to be or become the athlete that I come. She didn't come to games. Wow. I guarantee you my mom probably maybe went to maybe one or two games. If, if, wow. if that throughout my high school career, Wow. because I wasn't, I wasn't one of those guys that those star guys that was on the team that people were right. going to see and coaches evaluating, okay, this guy has talent to go to the next level. Um, mm. And again, I think the lack of affected me later on in my career. Um, I love my kids to death, um, but I never had anybody to, to tell me about those conversations that we as dads should have with our son. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Those are things like I said, and I pretty much I'm a product of kind of what he had going on. Mm -hmm. He had four daughters at the time. You know what I mean? Uh, he was married. Um, so obviously there was some infidelity, those things going on. Um, like I said, but 
at the end of the day, I didn't really harp as I grew up. And even as I understood the dynamic of what had transpired throughout my life, I never, I never thought bad of it mm-hmm. because it was like, I never missed it. How can you miss something that you never really had? Yes. Um, my mom and my, my grandma, they made sure that I had everything that I needed, but the lack of growing up being a grown adult, I know mm-hmm. that now I have kids and I try to be present in their lives, even though I don't live with them. I didn't live under the same household. Yeah. They know that I'm there if they need me. And yeah. so that's a polar opposite. That's a 180 degree difference than what I experienced growing up with my dad. Good for you. And I admire that. And we have that in common because my father allegedly had 13 kids by 11 women. And <laughs> growing up in my dynamic, I never missed what I never had either. And then I looked around, other kids didn't have their father in the home. And that just made me love on my mother and my grandmother and my family members more. The amazing thing that I'm going to make sure people continue to highlight is there are very few athletes in the NBA or the NFL that play Division I football and basketball while they're in college. If you get a chance, everybody out there, do the list. It's very, very few people that have the athletic ability, the discipline to be able to do both. And you mentioned getting drafted by the 49ers. In your case, there was an agent, Jerry Rice. Steve Young was the quarterback. It's a historic franchise. What was it like for you coming in? and trying to make a name for yourself and ultimately doing so immediately? Um, Again, it was pretty synonymous with, you know, how I approached, uh, you know, my first four years in, in college, just really just wanted to come in and, uh, you know, given the opportunity to to better myself as an athlete. Again, Jalen, like I said, I'm, what, 23, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was really raw green. I didn't play at a power five school. So I didn't play with the level of competition that a lot of these top, you know, these top five, 10, 15, 20 guys, uh, you know, played against. And then throughout the course of the league, I didn't play against that type of talent. So I was, uh, I was, uh, it was almost like I was a science project. And this was really kind of the era where the big receivers was, we were, we were premium athletes. We, we were kind of anomaly. You know what I mean? Like yep. this is what teams wanted was the six, two, six, three rangy uh, type of receiver. So we were considered when I was drafted, I was considered prototypical based on what those receivers were, how they were playing in the league around that time. When you think about the Haywood Jeffries, uh, the, uh, the, the Herman Moores, uh, the obviously mm-hmm. Jerry Rice, the, the JJ Stokes, the Jake Reeds, and at the time when I'm being drafted, you know, Randy Moss, the six feet, you know, uh-huh. and above uh, type of uh, players, the physical attributes that made up the that was that was on the field at the time. So, um, again, that's how I end up coming up with my clothing line, Prototype 81, because I'm like, OK, I became the prototype for what NFL teams were looking for as receivers. So when I came in, I just wanted to just number one, I didn't want to disappoint my family because for me. That was the most money that I had ever seen. My family had ever seen probably, you know, all together. So just to have that opportunity to play at one of the most historic franchises in NFL history in the San Francisco 49ers. And then, you know, a couple of years prior to that, you know, 
Super Bowl champions. I just wanted to come in and not disappoint. I just wanted to get better. And I, I owe a lot to my coaches, Larry Kirksey, George Stewart. They were instrumental in the development of what people know now as T.O. Uh, they get your popcorn ready, all that stuff. Uh, you know, that confidence that I had, sometimes that was a defense mechanism, you know, because I needed that. I needed no to doubt. put myself in a position like, okay, how can I, how can I be like Jerry? You know what I mean? Then mm-hmm. I had to be a realist. Like, oh, I, I'm not, we don't have the same body type. I can't mm-hmm. be Jerry, but I have some I have some of his physical attributes. I have some of his ability, but I have to become my own person and develop my own skill set. And once I started to tap into that after that third year, after I made that catch against Green Bay, uh, that and that wasn't and, and like I said, it wasn't the most ideal uh, situation for me to really realize, OK, I got the talent to make that next step because anybody has watched that Green Bay wildcard game. It wasn't the best day for me. But it's right. not hard, and it's all, and it's cliche. And I tell people, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. And I mm-hmm. finished that 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 game with one of the most historic catches uh, in NFL history, and we beat the the Green Bay Packers. And for those that follow this lifestyle and leisure podcast, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, his name is Joe Montana. The catch one was to Dwight Clark in the back of the end zone. As the 49ers won the Super Bowl. The catch two is Steve Young to Terrell Terrell Owens. And by the way, you hung on to the football. It was a game-winning touchdown, and you got stuck. Oh, yeah. They 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 put the like in any type of situation like that. I mean, when you catch the ball over the middle between two safeties, they they put a lick on me that obviously, like you're probably your average receiver. Correct would have coughed the ball up. Uh, but again, as that announcer said, you know, when I made that catch, I hadn't caught on to anything all day, let alone held on to my fingers, but I held on to that rock. Uh, <laughs> at, that, at that time, like I said, uh, it was, like I said, it, Steve Young couldn't have put it in a more perfect spot. And you mm-hmm. think about just, I look at, I look at how that game unfolded. For me, a young, young budding star, Steve Young having Jerry Rice on the other side, you know Jalen playing basketball. No doubt. No doubt. When the clock is running down, who do you give the ball giving to? Giving it to Jordan, giving it to Rice every time. Right. You're putting the ball in your best player's hand. So I think that's so iconic to, to think about when he had Jerry Rice on the field but he didn't get away from his principle. It's all about like what LeBron says all the time, making the right play, not forcing something. In this situation, this was very LeBron-esque because Steve Young, he made the right play based on the defense that we had been given and they were given us at at that time. And he threw the ball where nobody could get it but me. And so Mm -hmm. I made the catch. And so – Again, that'll always probably that that was the stepping stone, um, you know, for 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 my career. You play in the Super Bowl with the Eagles, and had a major injury that I would still be in the fetal position if I had that injury. But you right. found a way to come back and perform in the Super Bowl. What do you remember about playing in the Super Bowl? Um, number one, I'll tell you, Jaden. Like I said, I'm bringing my grandma up a lot uh, within this interview. She instilled faith. She she allowed us to understand what that is. And faith to me and how she and, and how it is in the Bible, it, it, and, and just a short version of it, 
Faith is belief in something that doesn't seem possible. Mm -hmm. Outside of things that I did from a physical standpoint to become the athlete that I did, taking care of my body, you know, from, uh, you know, obviously my workouts and then from a nutritional standpoint, you know, obviously, you know, making sure I had all the things uh, necessary to become a better and great, greater athlete. Um, faith was number one. It was key. And then the other part is that the training staff that I had there, Rick Burkholder and his, and his, and his staff, Chris Peduzzi, Andy Sugarman, those, those three guys, dude, the confidence that I zo I exuded and I brought to, to that team that year, it seemed like it just resonated throughout the, throughout the building. So the confidence yeah. that I had in myself, they had the confidence in their abilities to be like, Hey, this is a big, this is a big hill to climb. The injury that I had sustained, high syndesmosis brain, I had two screws in a plate uh, placed Jeez. in there. I tore all the ligaments in my ankle, and then I didn't find out till the next day after the game that I had broken my fibula. Wow. I knew that night, they just told me, like, hey, go home, elevate it, you get an MRI and stuff the next day. Wow. I woke up, I reported them, I went back to, uh, to the uh, – I went to the training room and then we went to the radiologist and they asked me obviously how I was feeling. I said, man, I said, my, my, I said, dude, up by my knee. I said, I couldn't sleep. It was wow. aching the entire night. Told the radiologist, radiologist that he basically, okay. He knew about the ankle. He said, all right, we're just going to x-ray MRI the whole entire leg, bro. Found out I had a, I had a fracture in, in my fibula. Wow. From that day, seven is, it was seven weeks to the Super Bowl. It was mid-December when that when that injury happened. Um, for me, I thought, okay, I had the surgery immediately. I went, took me to Baltimore, Maryland, had the surgery. I'm thinking, okay, after the surgery, I'm gonna take a few days, just kind of just chill, and then we're gonna get into rehab. Jalen, wow. The very next day, rehab started. He basically told me, he said, "Yo, if you want to play in the Super Bowl, he said, this is what we need to get on it." They put together an aggressive rehab program, and we did, we went after it. It was no, like I said, if I wanted to play in the Super Bowl, I, the opportunity to have the chance, they said, this is what we need to do. I said, sign me up. Let's do it. The next, wow. Like I said, the next day, immediately, we were doing rehab, bro. And so even uh, once the diagnosis of what everything had happened to, to my leg, my ankle, um, the doctor basically said, you know, obviously leading up to we played the remaining couple of games of the season. Now we into the playoff. We played two playoff games. Um, mm -hmm. We beat Atlanta for the NFC Championship game to propel ourselves to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, all the weeks leading up to that, um, like I said, I was doing rehab. I was progressively getting better. Week one, week two, week three, week four. Um, I was really, I was, I was moving around. Like I think week four, which was unheard of. Prior wow. to we go back, I'm running at probably like around week five or so. Um, because I played in the Super Bowl, I guess I came back in like six and a half, seven weeks. So just think the timeline of that and the injury that I had. Wow. There are guys that have had the same injuries. They were out three to four months. They weren't even really walking. Yeah. So what I was doing was, bro, it was remarkable. It, it was it was mind boggling. I went we went back to get a clearance from my doctor. We documented everything from treatment. Um Treatment-wise, anything that I did on the field-wise, we recorded everything. The doctor nice. did not believe what he was seeing. I waited into his office while he talked to the head trainer. He basically said, he said, he said, this is unbelievable. He said, there's by no stretch of imagination what I saw, he said, it's it's unbelievable. It's remarkable. But he said, 
his understanding with his background and his study of being a doctor, history of being a doctor, he could not go against what his studies told him, his education to allow me to go out and play in a football game that, 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 you know, I'm going to be around some violent guys. Yep. He's like, he would not medically clear me to play. So I had to sign a waiver to clear myself to play in the Super Bowl. Wow. Really? I had to sign a waiver to play. That's the, the fine Bowl. print that they don't talk much about. And you when I signed that, out I, your rights. Wow. When I, when I mentioned that one time, the organization, for whatever reason, they tried to deny it. And I said, why would I lie? Because there was a liability if I, because the doctor didn't medically clear me. So if I went on that field against his clearance, right. then who's going to be, somebody's going to be liable. Right. So I had to sign a waiver. Because if you would have got injured, they would just would have tried to revoke your contract and blame it on you. Yep. Wow. Yep. Talk about love for the game. And you did that yep. for Philly. That's why Eagle fans appreciate and respect you help lead them what? to the Super Bowl. Right. You always hear the, the saying that, you know, some guys are built different, this and that and the other. And I don't really, I, I, I like it to an extent, but I tell people I'm not built different. I am different. Correct. You know what I mean? It's always like there's always something about an individual that makes them different for whatever that whatever reason that may be. Um, but for whatever reason, for me, um, when you talk about, you know, like I said, some of the physical attributes of a receiver um, and what makes up a prototypical type receiver, I'm prototype 81. So no when you think about that, what makes it up is hands, is vision, is what I call COD, which is change of direction. Uh, and I had a I had a nose for the end zone, um, and obviously speed comes into play. Those are those are that's what embodies a prototypical type receiver for me. Where if I had to assess, you know, their comparisons of what I did or you know receivers my side did my size did. But when it comes to me, and I try to look at receivers that kind of you know uh, emulate me, or there's some some type of comparison. Those are the things that I I look at. Obviously, the hands, the vision, mm -hmm. uh, the change of direction. Um, obviously, that the, for me, I had a strong. I know the toughness, a nose for the end zone. Those are for me are what makes up a prototypical type receivers. And you, it's almost like we're becoming extinct in a sense. We don't have a many of those. And even if you do see those come through every now and then, the longevity they don't last long. Yeah, they'll be there the last first you know few years or so, but then they taper off around five year five, six, seven, or eight. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're not seeing any. 10 plus year receivers anymore. How about this? So just talking to you reminds me of your connection and your threads to the NFC East. So the Cowboys now have an elite defense. Dak Prescott on the center. The Eagles just came back from going to the Super Bowl. My namesake nephew, Jalen Hurts, killing the game. The 49ers still trying to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback, but they got a, one of the best rosters in the NFL, who wins the NFC East and who wins the NFC overall and makes it to the Super Bowl and who comes out of the AFC to play them in the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's gonna be tough. Uh, not really tough. Um, you gotta you gotta go with trajectory. You gotta go with trending. Um, the Eagles they're trending in the right direction. Um, obviously with the emergence of uh, of Jalen Hurts, uh, I think 
the organization did the right thing by shoring up his contract. So that's not a looming issue, especially when they're on the cusp of yeah. possibly going back to the Super Bowl. So that's not a distraction. I think no. that was great by management to do that. Um, but again, they saw too just the elevation and the enhancement of his game over the years that he's the short time that he's been there. He's trending in the right direction. When you think about the NFC East, I think it's theirs to lose. They should come out of the NFC East. NFC East. Everybody wants to talk about the Cowboys, this and that and the other. The Cowboys, they either got to put up or shut up. At this mm. point, that should be their motto. We got to put up or we just need to shut up. All the talk about what they want to do or think they can do, all that, that they got years of all of that prior that they haven't lived up to. Mm-hmm. So now they just got to go, like they said, put it on wax. Yes. At this point, like, there's no – you should just put your head down and just play and let it yeah. – let the play do the speaking for you. As far as, uh, like I said, the Eagles, anybody else in that division, division, it doesn't matter. It's really – maybe the Giants, they played well, but for me, I'm going with the Eagles to come out with the NFC East. Uh, Jaden obviously is trending in, in the right direction. No I think – to give the Cowboy fans that may be watching a glimmer of hope, because you mentioned the defense, how stellar and stout they are. Mm-hmm. If they can play, like I said, just, just take that 2000 Baltimore Raven team. Yes. If they can play to that level defensively, and if Dak can play efficient as Trent Dipper, who's not, I would say, not even on Dak's level, but Trent Dipper played efficient, he didn't do anything spectacular. The defense wanted for him, but he made enough plays offensively for them to win the game. The, the defense got to keep keep people out of the end zone. If right. that can, if he can minimize his mistakes, those turnovers, if he can keep that into single digits, you don't really need to be that. If he can keep it around five, maybe no more than eight throughout mm-hmm. the throughout the course of the season, and they can get some explosive plays out of their receivers and their running game. I'm going to give them a chance, but I haven't seen that yet. I'm not, it's not enough that I've seen to move that needle. Like I said, for them, mm-hmm. they just, they just got to shut up and just put up. Out of I the AFC, I'm a guy, I got to go with my boy, uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Big but, red. but he got some people on his heel. You got the Buffalo Bills. You got the guy, uh, uh, Justin uh, Herbert. Justin Herbert uh, with the Chargers. He got some, he got some talent over there. And, Joe Burrows with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, yes, that Joe AFC, Cool. Hey, trust me, that 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 AFC, I think Ooh. it's going to really come down to who's the healthiest at yep. the end of the season. In totality, that's all teams, but out of those four AFC teams, it's stacked. It's mm. stacked. There's a lot. Of, it's hard to it's, it's hard to pick, pick a a fan favorite because again, like I said, even with the 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 the, the the Chiefs, they didn't win their game overwhelmingly. They didn't win the mm-hmm. Super Bowl overwhelmingly. You know what I mean? So I'm not gonna like say, like I said, right, they're the favorite, you know, I mean? obviously, but they got some young guns, uh, young teams, you know, in that AFC that's that's chomping on uh, at the bits. So when I recently saw you at DJ Khaled's golf event, when you walked away, our team, Dwight Freeney, Charles Oakley, we ran into Ed Reed. You immediately started them having a conversation of who's the greatest wide receiver of all time. 
because a couple of those people said you are. So it's only right because you're on the show. I ask you, including yourself, who are your top five receivers in the history of the NFL? Oh, man. Um, I would say like in no, really no order, but I'm always going to pay homage to the greatest. Uh, I got to pay homage to Jerry Rice, but but a lot of people that have watched his game, my game, and obviously the, the other guys that I'm going to mention, um, they can make some arguments as to why I could be like, you know, I could be considered better than Jerry. I can see listening at them, you know, talk and, and, and really create that argument, that debate. I can see what they're talking about. Obviously he has the numbers, but if I would have been able to play another three to four, five, five years, mm-hmm. I would have been, I would have been on his heels. Mm-hmm. And what I know that I could have done, I would have been threatening some, a lot of those records, but Jerry Rice, myself, Larry Fitzgerald, um, mm-hmm. and obviously Randy Moss. Um, uh, my fifth, the fifth is yeah. always tough. The fifth is always tough. Calvin Johnson. Megatron, my you know guy. I mean? Detroit, you know what I mean? So, like I said, those those five, like I said, not necessarily in that order, but I got to put myself, uh, me, Jerry, and Randy, I would say we're top three, you know what I mean? And I'm gonna put myself top two. I'm always because I look at Randy. I know what I know what he did. We've had this. Me and Randy, we've had this discussion. Randy's known for taking the top off. You know, he's he has a he has a burden. You get mossed. You know what I mean? <laughs> he has all of that. I didn't necessarily did do all of that. I did that and then some. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but he did it with such a flair that it's mm-hmm. obvious. You know what I mean? People want to obviously say, okay, he's better than him because he, but he did one thing well. That's really let's go deep and 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 go get the ball at a high point. For me, I did I did everything. I did your short, your intermediate, and I could go deep. Nobody really knew that I could go take the top off until I went from San Fran to Philly with Donovan. And I started taking now you're seeing me going 50, 60, 70 yards. Yes, Even in my yes. last two years, I had 98 yarders or what have you. Uh, 80 plus yarders, but nobody knew I had that speed until I left San Fran. And that's not a knock on San Fran. It was basically based on what our quarterback was capable of doing. Jay, like I told you, when I explained the difference of the comparison between, you know, Jeff Garcia and Donovan McNabb, with Donovan, we could we could be at the two yard line anywhere in the red zone coming out of the red zone and we can we can call a go route with Jeff. Mm. We couldn't do that. We only went deep when we got closer to midfield, around the 40 or the 50. Now we can take some shots. But like I said, we understood we played to our strengths. And with him, we played to his strengths. But I, and when you talk about the West Coast offense, bro, that's what I, – I, I was raised in that West Coast offense, mm-hmm. and I took it everywhere that I went with the ability that I had. And so I was able to really, you know, really add another element to offenses that they didn't have. And for me, uh, what makes me so different than a lot of others, not only was I a playmaker, but I was a game changer. Mm. That's the difference. That's the difference in some of these guys evaluating on who's better or who's greater than the other. And even, mm. you know, the generation of receivers, you know what I mean? Just because you make a few plays here and there, now you want to put them in a, in a category or a stratosphere of being the mm. greatest or mm. the greatest of all time. Like, or your top five, like, yo, how can – no knock on OBJ. He's a playmaker. He hasn't been consistently doing 
what he was on trajectory to do because of injuries. That's part of the game. It plays receivers. Mm -hmm. He's a playmaker. Would I say he's a game changer? No, he hasn't been consistently doing, making those plays to become that. That's not to say he's not a great receiver, but he hasn't reached that level of greatness. There's levels to this. And right. you would know because you are part of the GOAT conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. Before I let you get out of here, T, oh, I have a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? What is it, Gone in 60 Seconds? Gone in 60 Seconds. Presented by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I, oh, I, I hate rapid fire, but let me see if I can, let me see if I can, you know, bring something to the table. This is right in your wheelhouse. You're someone okay. that takes training seriously. So it's only right I ask you, what artist gets you hype when you're working out in the gym? Ooh, that's a number, but I, um, do change. I'm different. I'm different. Yes, I'm, I'm different. different. I love that. Yeah. Of all the arenas and stadiums you've played in, which one is the most memorable to you? Mm, most memorable? Oof. Oof. Ugh. Man, I, I mean, I did a lot of damage in a lot of them, dog. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I did a lot of damage in a lot of them. Uh, mm. I like I liked uh, I liked Atlanta, Atlanta. The going going playing in Atlanta. Uh, like I said, it's not too far from home. At one point in time, I had a house in Atlanta, so it was like I was an Atlanta native. So wow. to be there, but not really be from there, come back there and put on a show there when they had the great Michael Vick, and then you yes. know kind of send them on their way. Yeah, and I was partying with those guys during the summer. Dope, dope. Yeah, I love that. The house that Prime built, it's only right that you with him right now. Exactly. If you could give any advice to your younger self, what would it be? Oh, man, I wish I honestly, uh, I wish I would have really would have listened to a lot of things that my grandmother told me. Um, and that relates to my interaction with people. You know, just you can't trust everybody. You know what mm. I mean? And, and I did that knowing that times have changed. I couldn't live in how she lived and how she was with different with, with certain people. And I tried to kind of be a little bit lenient in that regard. And I got burned versus mm -hmm. had I really listened to what she was saying, don't trust everybody. Mm -hmm. Some of the things wouldn't have transpired. Tara Owens, I know the Colorado squad is waiting for you. I know Coach Prime is waiting for you. You got work to do to motivate and build the future. I appreciate you taking time, family. And I can't wait, wait, wait till we change the game doing what we going to do. Y'all stay tuned. Get your popcorn ready. This is Terrell Owens. Appreciate you, family. Appreciate you, dog. Last call. Last call. I'd like to thank T.O. for stopping by the podcast and stay tuned for future projects that he and I will be working on. One thing that stood out to me about T.O. is how he's always speaking his truth, no matter what. Unapologetically, whether it's about his football career or issues that he cares about, or even people that he doesn't get along with. Terrell, 
knows himself. And like he always says, I love me some me. That's the kind of confidence we should all be bringing to the table. So I ask you this, what are the ways you show love to yourself? Is it dressing in a way that makes you feel good? Is it letting yourself pursue a dream that others wouldn't understand? Just remember, always stay true to yourself and never sacrifice who you are for anyone. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.